Howdy, folks. This is the Words of Truth from the Scriptures podcast. I'm Brian Yeager, and like you know in advance, we have a special guest with us today. This is the July Thursday recording with one of my brethren uh, here. So I've got Scott Hamilton, who has joined me today. And what we're going to talk about is he and I, and not just he and I, but but in one particular event recently, he and I tried to go door to door in El Paso uh, with the gospel and, and tried to share it with people. And we're going to talk about that experience a little bit and some of the things that uh, were relative. When we look in the Bible, one of the things that Jesus did is he taught people in their homes. Uh, he did that with Zacchaeus in Luke 19, 1 through 10. The apostles in Acts 5, 42, daily in the temple and in every house, cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. In Acts 16, when uh, Paul was imprisoned with Silas, uh, the Philippian jailer was taught in his house. Acts 16, 32, they spake to him the word of the Lord and with all him that was in his house. When Paul goes into Corinth in Acts 18, verses 7 and 8, uh, he departed thence, entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his heart, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. When Paul met with the elders in Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, he told them how he kept nothing back that was profitable, but had showed them from house to house and have taught them publicly. Uh, so we see that pattern in the New Testament. So Scott, you and I, we went out following the pattern, right? We went out. Right. What was that like when, when we started hitting some doors? You know, it was unexpected. I know um, you had kind of prepared me a little bit from your past experience, but I'm going door to door, ringing doorbells, and really the experience was nothing. You know, we rang the doorbells and nobody came to the door. Um, there was a lot of uh, anti-visitation, uh, no soliciting, we don't want to hear it, uh, a lot of electronic dependency with doorbells. So it was just definitely an eye-opening experience, um, not being able to see or being able to see how uninterested or discouraged people are from really having a conversation in general, not even knowing that we're going to talk to them about the scriptures. We can kind of understand a little bit living here in El Paso, mm -hmm. how flooded the streets are with people that go door to door. I, I don't know about you, but I hate it when I'm in the middle of something and the doorbell rings. Absolutely. You yeah. feel that way. And I mean, like we were walking around my area of El Paso and um, lately, I mean, it's a lot of new development. So there's a lot of solar um, uh, solicitors coming by. There's a lot of uh, people trying to sell fiber and all kinds of other you know new development things. Um, so definitely there's a lot of, of that exhaustion of the constant doorbell ringing. So it's challenging for us, right? Yes. And then we did have a few conversations. We, mm -hmm. uh, we, we had talked to a gentleman who basically just right away wanted to stiff arm us a little bit. I have my church. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. And we tried to talk to him and say, yeah, but you know, maybe you have some Bible questions and some different things because you and I know from coming from the religious world in the past that generally speaking, people have questions, but they're not real welcomed, right? Sure. Um, I remember uh, I grew up in my household, um, and uh, my grandfather was a Baptist, so he took me to um, a lot of Baptist, um, like Baptist congregation where we did a lot of unscriptural activities, and it was mostly for those reasons. But definitely, as I grew up in that, um, had a lot of questions, um, a lot of questions about society, and I mean, a lot of the the decline of society and becoming more sinful and i bring stuff up like that people just didn't want to talk about it because it would cause tension um so i definitely could see that 
Yeah. Whereas see if somebody comes to us with that question, we're able to look at them and say, hey, look, even in the first century, Paul told the evangelist Timothy that evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, 2 Timothy 3.13. So we're able to look at them and say, look, your question is a good question, but understand that society does decay because the more and more morality uh, evolves or immorality Mm -hmm. evolves, people do more wrong, more wrong, and you can see their conscience doesn't work and it just becomes a a terrible thing. In fact, 2 Timothy 3 deals with that even at the beginning of the chapter. So you you look at people who lack love, natural affection. Yeah. Well, how do you tell somebody who doesn't know how to love, to love God, to love their brethren? And if you can't love your brother, um, how can you love God? First right. um, John 4.20. Right. So it's just it, every aspect of it, um, relationships, um, parenting, uh, the way society has become. It's like growing up as a kid, you have all those kind of questions. Um, you see all those kinds of things, and it's just not having a safe environment either at home or um, in the so-called, you know, at the time Baptist church, but in any religious manner, being able to ask those questions. One of the differences that we have today, and it's a challenge, reaching people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I'm doing this podcast, why you're joining me here today. It's hard to get the door to be opened. We have the best news. We have the good news. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we want to share it with people. But getting to them is very difficult. In the first century, what's one of the things that we see that both Jesus and the apostles were able to do that we're not today? Um, they were able to go to locations where people were you know, interested in the gospel. They went to the synagogues. Um, they went to the markets. They went to places where people would gather um, and with the Jews and the Jewish culture in general, their, their law, everything around their society was based off of the word of God, uh, was based off of uh, the commandments of God. So everything around their society was religious. Um, so they always had that interest and that desire. Um, there was always a foundational conversation piece that you could have. And nowadays it's, it's hard to find that. Yeah, in John 18, 20, Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue, in the temple where the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. In fact, uh, when, when you begin to look at the work of Christ back in Luke chapter 4, he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and as his custom was, he went in the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. So there, down through verse 30, Jesus did what was already customary to him Growing up as a Jew, he went in the synagogue. He was given an opportunity uh, to read and and to teach. We don't get that opportunity, and we see that pattern even when we look in the book of Acts and we're looking at the work the apostles did, uh, Acts thirteen fourteen and fifteen. When they, that's Paul and Barnabas, departed from Perga and came to Antioch and Poseidon and went in the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. After the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if any of you have a word of exhortation for the people, say on. We're not going to walk into a place today and somebody say, Here, do you want to say something? No, we're not going to walk into a place like that at all. Mm-hmm. Paul in Acts 17, when they had passed through and Apollonia and Amphalus there came to Thessalonica was a synagogue of the Jews and Paul as his manner was went unto them in three Sabbath days reasoned out of the scriptures as his manner was what was customary to him I'm going to go in and reason from the scriptures and the synagogue so here you and I were like hey look 
we just want to share the gospel with you. And we had this one gentleman talk to us. Then we went for a while Man. and then ran into a guy in his garage, right? Mm-hmm. And you could tell it was like, oh, you caught me. Yeah, he's just like, I regret doing this vehicle work today, <laughs> being out in my front yard. <laughs> right. And, 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 you know, he was as nice as he could be. And we were trying not to interrupt him. Yeah. Uh, and I understand because probably the first thing that goes to our mind is this is a Jehovah's Witness. Because right. the Jehovah's Witness notoriously go uh, door to door here in our area. And well, who wants to hear what a Jehovah's Witness has to say? They deny the deity of Christ. So they don't even have the beginning of anything good to say, right? They, right. they reject who is our Savior in that they deny him. You have to believe that he is and that he's from above, John 8, 24 and 25. So people have a general sense and knowledge of that. And then they're like, oh, who's this type of person? Then we went a long way. Until we finally, we come to a house where water's leaking. Yeah. You remember that? I do. And the, the lady, um, we rang the doorbell. We sat there for a moment and pretty quickly she came outside and she's like, oh, I thought you were the plumber or the water company. And so then that sparked a conversation. And I know uh, you trying to, uh, you know, talk to her like, oh yeah, what's wrong with your water? What's going on? You know, just trying to make conversation. Um, but her just kind of like, you're not the water company. Um goodbye you know just yeah. try, slowly trying to push us off and it's like okay and it was weird because she had moved here from oregon mm-hmm. and she was living in a house owned by her son and daughter-in-law and they were in the military so they were were off and it was like you know look you're, you're in a strange community you're in a different environment and there's a congregation of god's people here that can not only make you feel at home but give you an eternal home. Right. And it's, uh, my heart's breaking. You know, I'm just sitting here looking at this lady alone, basically. Yeah. And I'm like, we've got the answer. But one of the problems that we face, whether it's here in a podcast, which is very difficult because we don't even know who the audience is, right? Right. Like if somebody contacts me and says, I want to study this, this, that, that gives me, I know where to take you in the Bible. I can learn some background information, so forth, so on. And really, got to tell you, man, I never wanted to do a podcast <laughs> because teaching is about teaching to a person, right? right. It's kind of weird sitting here with two microphones in front of us, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, yes. It's weird, and it's you, hard to imagine, right? It is, and even just as the conversation's going and it's getting easier, it's like it's still it's still there. It's weird, yeah. right? Like here are these two microphones in our face and we're sitting here worried more about whether we're at a certain decibel right. uh, and, and adjusting microphones as we talk and trying to figure this whole technology out. Uh, but in the meantime, there are trillions of people that are lost. Right. And the whole goal is how do we get to you? How, how do we get to you? If there's a synagogue, I'd come. If there was a place where I'd be welcome to speak, you know, there are churches in El Paso. And, and when I first moved here, um, you know, Bill Wright and I, we, we would go and we would try to get conversations going. It was just shut down, get out. Uh, we don't want to have any kind of conversation. So, you know, biblically, uh, and, and it's a whole different context. The context in Galatians 6 is not about evangelism, uh, but it's in Galatians 6, 10, as we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. So we're trying to do good, right? Mm-hmm. But what we cannot do is prepare people. We can't get them ready. What are your thoughts on that? Thoughts? Um, I, I, it's Because you're right, the whole concept of you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You know, we can bring the good news to them. You know, I think about um, 
I think it was Paul who uh, taught and he's like, he, he begged with tears on um, night and day, you know, trying to get them to understand, trying to get them to know the truth. And thinking about that, like you can go to the furthest extent that you can, but that's still not going to matter because it's up to the individual to accept the word of God into their heart and to, to have that soil that is going to produce fruit. So two things real quick. What you're talking about is Paul in Acts 20, 31. Mm-hmm. There he's meeting even with Christians. Yeah. And he knows there's going to be false brethren arise as he's talking to the elders there in the context that begins in Acts 20 and verse 17. And he's trying to get them to understand that they're going to be those that try to take them away from the faith. The second thing you talked about was get the heart right. Mm-hmm. What scripturally comes to mind to you when you start thinking about that? Think about the parable of the sower um, in Luke 8, 1 through 15. You know, the different aspects um, in Luke 8, 1 through 15 says, And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary, um, called Magdalene, out of whom went seven uh, devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod, steward, and Susanna, and many others were ministered unto him of their substance. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of the city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow a seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, uh, it withered away because it lacked moisture and some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it and others fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, he hath, he that hath ear to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him saying, what might this parable be? And he said unto you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their heart, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring forth no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which, in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. And just thinking about that parable, um, we're walking around you know neighborhoods and trying to find any, really any soil. Like let's... Let's start throwing the seed. You no, know, so talking about the word of God and seeing seeing how it grows, seeing seeing what happens, and we can't even get there because of the disinterest and the lack of any effort at all of people wanting to talk about the gospel. You know, uh, there's an article that back, oh, I want to say in May, uh, yeah, May seventeenth. Just my startup page is Google News. Uh, yeah. When when I log in uh, online. Uh, for various reasons, just to see headlines real quick, weather, everything in one little spot, uh, which I don't know why I use Google News. I mean, since I use a Mac all the time. <laughs> nonetheless, um, this title caught my eye. It says, the faithful see both crisis and opportunity as churches close across the country. And in this article, which is from NPR.org, I don't know about the news source, but I've seen multiple articles like this. So, you know, I was kind of reading it. I printed it off thinking about this podcast uh, that we were going to have. And there, there was a church up in Youngstown, Ohio, and it, it was a, it, it's a man-made church. But they have a 112-year history. In the 1960s, it was common to see 
250 people on the pews. But today, at the time that he was interviewed for this article, it's only a few dozen, mostly older people. So the organization behind this church that oversees that congregation, which we know is not scriptural, right? Right. The Lord's the head of the church, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. The elders are the overseers and they're local, right? Among you, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. And they have to be qualified and those qualifications are strict. Uh, Paul gives them to Timothy and Titus, two evangelists yeah. in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 and Titus 1, 5 through 9. That's not our subject right now, but those of you listening, if you're curious about the qualifications of elders, if you go to wordsoftruth.net, I've got a whole series of sermons, outlines and audio on the qualifications of elders. I don't remember how many lessons it was, but quite a few. It was, a bit, it was, a bit. It was quite a few, and we went into depth uh, on it uh, because we're looking to have elders here in the future, but not men appointed by men who just wear a title, no. truly qualified shepherds, mm-hmm. right? I'll come back to this point. <laughs> he said that that organization determined that that church was, quote, no longer a vital congregation. Goodness. And would close. Right? Let me ask you a question. How many people, you know, if we if we got down to five, would we be like, okay, never mind, we're done? I'm thinking about that. Like, if, if we had two people, we have, you know, it's at, at some point, um, it's like they're souls. You're going to close down and just abandon these souls. It's terrible. So they were inquiring with different religious leaders, we'll just say. And one of the reasons that they said that uh, just 16% of Americans say that religion is the most important thing of their life. And as they're presenting this information to these religious leaders, and that study was uh, from 2020. Imagine. Imagine now. Now, right? After COVID and everything else. Yeah. 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 Yep. So one of the things that they listed as an attribute to the reason of the decline is the LGBTQ plus hmm. movement, which I don't find surprising. God knows this is a problem. It's why he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 18 and 19, right? Right. The city became so corrupt, not even 10 righteous people. It's that quick. Why? Because it's an attack on the home. The home is the foundation of society. Even when we look at Christians, I don't want to get off on a whole starting. (laughs) No, yeah. But you're right. Thinking about um, the home, that's where it starts. You know, you spend, you know, one, two, three, four, five hours on a Sunday um, talking about the scriptures and then the rest of your time is spent at home or, you know, if you're working in the workplace, but your home is the foundation of your life and everything. So the attack on the home is big. Right. And just think of the LGBTQ movement. And I've done a podcast on that. Somebody can go back and listen to it. Mm-hmm. But think about this. How do I teach somebody who had two daddies? Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and to show the male and feminine side of the relationship between Christ and the church. There's no foundation to build upon. No foundation to build upon. You don't even understand the family unit, right? Because there's so many things in the Bible. Who are my who are my my family, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, Matthew 12, 46 through 50, right? All these foundational teachings come back to the home, the structure that began in Genesis chapter two, when a man shall leave his mother and father, cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh, right? Right. And thinking about um, the parable of the sower, you know, that, that was taught in a parable in that aspect because that was the culture back then. People were farmers. They did they did that kind of work. So they understood that parable. So um, coming back to that, it's like you have nothing to, to lean upon. You, your, your initial correct, like initial attempts to teach are correction on the foundation of their life. 
We're called the children of God. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 5, 1, among other passages, right? Right. Okay. He's our father, masculine, ruler, yeah. right? There are three. was that, made in his image. Right? right. In his image, in our image, because there's three, the bare record in heaven, mm-hmm. First John 5, 7, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, they're all three male, yeah. right? We live in a society that says, well, no difference between a man and a woman. Like, what? Right. It's gender fluid. It's, you know, one day I'm a man, one day I'm an octopus. Who knows? <laughs> right? So that's one thing that's listed in this article. The other thing is that there's a sharp uptick in the number of younger Americans with no religious affiliation. And they grouped them here and they called them the nuns. And says, <laughs> the nuns. nuns. Not N-U-N. Yeah, right. It's really <laughs> N-O-N-E-S. There. Right. It says boomers are about 20% of the nuns and Gen Z is about 45%. So it's slowly sweeping as a wave across America. And... uh they interviewed a American Baptist church guy. Um, I don't see his name here and what a highlighter real quick, but he said about a third of the country's congregations that are associated with that organization of men are on the brink of extinction. Well, see, to me, this hits a little bit different. I know more people follow error than truth. And if even those perverting the gospel, because the Baptist church pretty much says, just believe and you'll be saved. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when when you start telling people, oh no, you have to actually obey God like Jesus did, uh, Hebrews five eight and nine. You 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 if you want to ultimately end up in heaven, you have to obey the gospel, or vengeance is going to be taken on you. Second Thessalonians one seven through nine, and you're trying to pull them out of a system that says not just believe, <laughs> and then they look at you and they say, no, I didn't even like that system. Now you're telling me I actually have to do something? Like I actually have to obey God? Yeah, well, but Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, John 14, 15. And they're like, whoa, right? right. So this hits me a, a little bit weird uh, there. And then uh, this person goes on to say, every year the pews are getting emptier and the collection plates are getting lighter. Are you surprised to hear the collection plate being brought up there? That you know, When a business decides to close down one of his retail stores on the far side of town, you know, it's because profits aren't there. That's so it. when you bring up the collection, it's like that. That's why they're closing them down. I actually thought about just keeping this article and just teaching on that point alone <laughs> as a whole separate podcast because false teachers are after money. Second yep. Peter two one through three. Right. Them. A lot of the podcasts that I've ever heard that are related to the Bible. One of the reasons I decided to jump in and start doing some podcasts. It's hey, donate to me on Patreon or you know do this or do that or they want so many likes and subscribes and I'm not saying I don't want those because those create an algorithm. Mm-hmm that allow people to listen, but they want them so that they can have ad-based income, Yep. right? I'm never going to have that ad-based income. Uh, then the podcast changes direction. It goes from souls to money, right? From being a teacher of the word of God to teaching for profit. And I don't mean P-R-O-P-H-E-T, but P-R-O-F-I-T, right? So uh, this article is just, it's just sad. It says in UF, U.S., roughly three in 10 adults are now religiously unaffiliated. Now, well, that's loose because a lot of people are just affiliated with a religion because their mom and dad was there. You know, a lot of children uh, or infants really are taken into the Baptist, not the Baptist, uh, the Presbyterian church uh, baptizes babies. Uh, the Lutheran church baptizes babies. And by baptism, I don't mean the way the Bible teaches it because baptism is immersion, Acts 8, 25 through 39. Mm-hmm. It's a burial, Colossians 2 and verse 12. W- what they're doing is just sprinkling water on the baby's head. So the- these, these, without any choice of their own, are religiously affiliated. These numbers are just astonishing. 
even when when you think about this, there there's a uh, church in in uh, Bartsville, Oklahoma, that was interviewed, and they had a 125 year old building that was historical in the city, and it had once drew hundreds, and now there's just 30 people. Now, it turns back to money. Payne says the church still had about one million to draw on, and donations were fairly steady. Of course, because whether or not they continue to do anything is whether or not the money was there. But this guy went on to talk about the COVID pandemic and how that changed things. So when we're out, you know, we're kind of aware of all these things uh, that's going on and aware of what the denominational worlds, they're making adjustments. Uh, This person says, I just think it's really important that congregations make sure their ministry is connected to the community and adapts to that community as it changes. What about that? I think about um, we have the the word of God in the scriptures and the a kingdom which cannot be moved. You know, the we're not supposed to add or remove from the word of God, right? Right at the end of Revelation. So it's thinking about all that, adapting to society. It's like no society needs to they need to obey the gospel. They need to obey what the word of God says, not. Ha- cater the word of God to what they want. This isn't the constitution that can be amended however many times in the United States, right? It's it's not for the people. Yeah, so Jesus comes among the Jews and he's teaching things that they consider to be contrary to the law of Moses. Instead of Jesus saying, oh, wait a minute, okay, I'll adjust. He told them in John 5, 39, search the scriptures for in them ye think ye have eternal life and there they which testify of me. It's like, no, you're the one that has to change. You have to repent and be converted, Acts 319, not the other way around. You know, and uh, yeah, and thinking back on on the article that you were referencing, you know, I can empathize with the people who, how they say, I don't, I'm unaffiliated, I'm a nun, right? The N-O-N-E, um, because, you know, I grew up in a divided home. Um, my grandfather was a Baptist and my my grandmother was a Catholic. And when I say divided, I mean just the name because religion was never brought up unless we were watching The Exorcist on TV, right? So um, going and then I began in being introduced to um, the Baptist church through activity, not through any form of opening up a Bible, talking about scriptures. It was about soccer and basketball, um, none of which obviously has any authority in the scriptures. Um, So growing up like that, having those questions growing up and having nobody to answer them pushed me away from the gospel that I, I think I've identified as agnostic. I don't really even know what that means anymore, but I can empathize with those people. And, but it's not an excuse, you know, thinking about that, even though um, I had that mentality of, you know, I'm a nun at the time. I, at the same time, still knew right from wrong. I could still recognize the truth. And that's what happened when I found it, when I, um, when I found people who actually practiced the gospel, it was up to me to make that decision to do the right thing. So, you know, it's unfortunate that society is going that direction, but at the same time, you know, it's up to the individual um, to to come out of that. Yeah. Man is created with a sense of right and wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, Paul made that point to the Jewish Christians in Rome and Romans chapter two, 11 through 15, where the Gentiles, which had not the law, did by nature the things contained in the law. Well, why? Because they had a conscience. Mm-hmm. They knew right from wrong. So you, you had a sense, like everybody, of, of right and wrong. Uh, 
One of the things I'm running into in the podcast um, eight weeks ago about uh, a woman emailed me and she told me that she likes the Words of Truth from the Scriptures podcast because things are being addressed that she's not hearing in her home congregation. I don't know. I I asked some questions, but she never really kept the discussion uh, going on. And one of the things that I talked to Katrina about my wife uh, is I don't want to create podcasts that are clickbait. Right. Yeah. You know, like I, I know, I know if I put some flashy title out there, you know, like uh, Jesus lost his marbles <laughs> or, or, or something or, yeah. or something like that, you know, and wherever I would take that lesson, some crafty way, people would click on it because, oh, what's he going to talk about in this thing? I don't want to do that. But it, it kind of brings to mind something in the Bible. Yeah, it, that brings to mind, especially when you talk about clickbait, uh, Acts 17, uh, 16 to 21. Um, let me pull that up here. Uh, Acts 17, 16 to 21, when Paul was um, in Athens, um, beginning verse 16 says, Now while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Other some he seemeth to be a setter forth of a strange gods, because he preacheth unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him into Areopagus words uh, saying may we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is so when you're reading that um, going on verse uh, 20 for thou bringest certain strange things to our ears we would know therefore what these things mean and you know sitting there before I read verse 21 it's like oh that's that's cool hey they want to talk about this but then verse 21 says for all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing so it's like people will engage in those conversations. They, they, they're interested in for whatever reason, but it's not for the right reason. They just, it's interesting. See, that's, that's the challenge today. I know that I could boost this podcast if I came out with some creative <laughs> means, but it's not going to be for the right thing, right? Right. And so the challenge uh, in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 and 14, again, the context is different. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to divided Christians in Rome, but he's making a point using Isaiah in the context, but we won't get that far uh, to pull all that out. But he says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Great. Okay. But the next, then, then he goes on, how then shall they call on him whom they've not believed? How shall they believe on him whom they not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Uh, obviously, I'm an evangelist. That's what I do all the time, mm-hmm. uh, all, all the time. Like Timothy, if somebody's uh, looking at the scriptures, uh, he was told in 2 Timothy 2, 2, the things thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same thou commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach uh, others. Also, uh, Timothy later in that context was told to flee youthful lust, uh, but to follow righteousness, faith, charity, and peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing they do gender strife. Uh, said the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, meekness, instructing those that oppose itself. If God peradventure will give them the repentance to the knowledge of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So 
like Timothy, I'm doing that work to preach the word, to be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke with all long-suffering doctrine. Second Timothy 4 and verse 2, verse 5 says, Watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. So I'm striving to do that. One of the reasons I don't go to Mark 16, 15 through 20. Why? How come when we talk about the work of evangelism, why don't we camp and go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? Because we're not apostles. That instruction was given um, from Jesus to his apostles to teach everywhere to go throughout the world. That wasn't given to Titus and to Timothy who were evangelists. Right, Mark 16, 14. Mm-hmm. He's talking to 11, yes. right? He's talking to 11. And when we go through the Bible, what do we see happened with that commission? Is it still in play today? or No, it, it, was, it was completed. It was completed. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Romans chapter 16, um, verses 24 through 26, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Now to him that is the power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest by the scripture of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of the faith. Then when you come to the book of Colossians, chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where you've heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. And then verse 23, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled and be not moved away to the hope of the gospel, which you have heard and which was preached to every creature under heaven, whereof I'm Paul am made a minister. It, it's fulfilled. Uh, so I relate to 2 Timothy 2.2, 2 Timothy 4, um, because I'm doing the work of an evangelist. Right. I'm not doing the work of an apostle. Having said all of that, I have my work to do. Why'd you go with me when we went out door to door? Other than you, you just wanted to see what was going on. Yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to get the experience. Um, I think about myself as an individual Christian. I'm not an evangelist. You know, it's not my work to go around door to door and to try to find people to teach. Um, but as an evan- uh, as an individual Christian, you know, I want to grow. I want to be able to teach. Um, thinking about the congregation here, I have a family, I have a wife and kids. I want to be able to answer their questions. So in order to answer those questions, you know, I want to have the experience of what kind of questions are I seeing today? What's society going to be bringing to my family that's going, that they're going to be bringing to me? Before I, I kind of grow on that point just a little bit, I, just, just a question just hit me right, right as I'm, I'm thinking about what it was like while we were out. Was it encouraging or discouraging? Very discouraging. Right. Yeah. Like I said, you prepared me for it a little bit. It was, you know, you've been doing this for a while and, you know, I've heard the stories from other people who've gone with you and, uh, but seeing it firsthand and just getting nothing, nowhere, it was discouraging. Yeah. The the first time I went door to door in any gospel work was in 1990 in Overbrook, Kansas. And I didn't do it every year. Uh, as as a Christian, I, I wasn't an evangelist at that time. I was a teenager. Uh, I was actually a babe in Christ. And I just remember being nervous. Like at that point, I was nervous. What if somebody asked me a question? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I'm like, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, and it was nerve wracking uh, to do it. And then and then uh, then I did it in Springfield, Ohio, again, just just as a Christian. Well, then when I went, went into the work of evangelism and did I've, I've, I've done door to door in many different cities and states, Christiansburg, uh, Virginia. I mean, I went to a lot of doors, and 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 things have really changed. Uh, I talked to you about about this, um, and 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 different communities are different too. But but back in in 1999, people at least talked to me, and a lot of people 
um, at that point in time, they attended some church and we'd get into a Bible discussion. We, we actually had Bible studies. There were days I would go out and, and this was before I had a cell phone and was Katrina could make sure I was okay and all those different things. I mean, I'd, I'd be gone the whole day yeah. just, just having Bible discussions door to door and how far did you get two neighborhoods? Well, why? Because people actually wanted to talk about the gospel. Uh, and, and then, and then uh, went to Pennsylvania and, and this just show you same state, one community in Pennsylvania, not only did people invite me in, set tea or coffee before you or a piece of cake, but would talk for hours and let you share the gospel with them. And then a lot of them actually were interested and, and desired to obey. But then went to another community in Pennsylvania, just an hour and a half, maybe two hours away. I can't remember the exact time and moved there and started doing the work of evangelism there. Complete opposite. People didn't want to talk. Um, matter of fact, we, the brethren up there had taken out a whole page ad in the newspaper one time. And we, the men of the congregation were preaching a meeting. And the, the titles of the lessons were The Second Coming of Christ. Do miracles still happen today? Okay, talk about clickbait, yeah. right? Those are things of interest, right? Mm-hmm. We would hit doors. I remember Katrina and I and another brother and his wife were there. We would hit doors and, and people would tell us, oh, yeah, we know who you are. You know, and I had so many doors in that community that when I was in Walmart, I knew, I knew people based on where they lived. I know he lives over here on, on this street or, oh yeah, I, I know you. And they knew me. They, they, you know, Hey preacher, you know, so forth, so on, but nothing. Wow. The majority of the members of the congregation were from outside the community, drove in some people an hour and a half, uh, to get to the congregation that, that just in the same state, just an hour and a half to two hours apart, that different, you know, I was just telling you this the other day. Uh, some of us guys got together uh, and uh, one evening, you might remember this, and I showed up kind of sweaty and wet. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was on another end of town. <laughs> and uh, the other side of the mountain in El Paso, if, yeah. you know, for those of you listening to this, if you've never been to El Paso, the city is divided east side and west side by mountains. You either have to go around it or up and over it. And and I'm going to tell you what, I don't know if every neighborhood on the west side is like this, but it was night and day actually had conversations still not interested in the gospel but actually had conversations people would talk okay so even just that how's that make you feel when 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 you you know that just in the same city that different it it's a little hopeful because um you have that that contrast um like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast you know the areas that we walked through um had been hounded by salesmen it's at the time you know so it's like you know there's that hope that you know potentially we could go to a different area of el paso and have a completely different experience maybe there'll be more than that maybe we will find some people who actually do want to sit down and talk about the gospel not just answer the door and say you know hey how you doing um it's 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 hopeful it's hopeful Mm -hmm. well back to the point we were about to connect on you're not an evangelist right but all christians are not evangelists. I've heard people say that. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> Be not many teachers, right? James 3, 1. Not, not go everybody ye means that. go me. It's like, yeah, no. No, no, that doesn't mean that. <laughs> but every Christian does have a responsibility mm-hmm. to be what? To be an example, to be a light. To be uh, a light. You can look at uh, Matthew 5, 13 to 16. 
uh, says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt had lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So that scripture, uh, Philippians chapter 2 14 through 16 says, do all things without murmurings, talking to Christians Mm -hmm. and disputings that you may be blameless and harmless to sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. that have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. There's, there's the connection, Mm -hmm. right? It's you'd be a light and as discouraged as we could get here. Here's the, the point that's being made here is yes, things are different. We're not going into synagogues. We don't have a ready-made audience. I think of instant mashed potatoes, right? <laughs> the Jews who already knew God, who already knew that Abraham uh, promised Abraham through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed, already had a moral code by which they live by. Uh, they're, 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 you know, halfway already taught, uh, already knowing the Messiah's coming, already these things. Not that people don't know Jesus. Everybody in the world knows who Jesus is. Yeah, as I was about to say, that's one good thing about the Great Commission being completed, right? Yeah, that's one good mm-hmm. thing. Uh, you know, and, and Hebrews chapter 8, you know, don't have to teach any man our neighbor. They right. all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Mm-hmm. So we have that connection. Uh, but there's also a time where, where Christians, while not doing the work of an evangelist, ought to grow and be able to teach to some degree. Mm-hmm. You know, like the parable of the talents teaches, uh, just in general, not, not on this point, but uh, in Matthew 25, 14 and 15, says the kingdom of heaven is a man traveling in a far country, called servants, delivered unto them his goods. He gave one five talents to another two and another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway he took his journey. So it's according to your ability, but one of the problems that you see with the Christians that are addressed in, in the book of Hebrews is that some of them hadn't grown. So do you remember w- w- what he said to them in Hebrews 5.14? For when the time... The time cometh with which ye and you ought to be teachers, uh, you need that you be taught. The and first principles of the oracles. He, he, yeah. Hebrews 5 and verse 12. So there is a point where Christians, based on their ability, need to at least be able to teach... Or, or on the most elementary level, to be an example in word and deed, Titus two two through eight, where there where the younger are, younger women are taught by the older women, so forth so on, sound speech that cannot be condemned, uh, applying to men and women in that context. Uh, there's also the the caution, you know, and, and we have to be cautious here. Sometimes people get zealous, yes, and they desire to be teachers of the law, understanding. Neither what they say or where they affirm. First Timothy one seven. Paul left F- Paul left Timothy in Ephesus to charge them not to teach any of the doctrine, to not be those people. So it's not like we we want to teach a, a podcast like this where we just fire people up and they go out and start going door to door because hey, this might happen. You might get the door that I wish I could find, or someone says yes, I do have questions. Explain to me Ezekiel chapter eighteen. And someone goes, uh, and then the person says, why are you knocking at my door? If you're not capable of answering my questions or what's going to happen if you run into a Jehovah's witness and they say, I want to talk to you about the 144,000 and you don't even know 
that they're referring to Revelation chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 14. And you don't know to go to those texts and say, look, you don't even believe what you're saying. That there's 144,000 male virgins. It's, <laughs> right? It's figurative language. It's John having a vision that shortly came to pass. So you got to be able to explain all these things. Take people to Revelation chapter 1, chapter 22, show them all these things. So we're not trying to you know, get people thinking, man, I should get out there uh, with the gospel. But you ought to at least be able to point somebody in the way of Jesus if you're a Christian. And you ought to at the very least be able to live as an example. And I know when we were going out uh, door to door and, and trying to reach people, it's exciting at first. But then the hard truth hits. Yeah. And that hard truth, what about the many and the few? Right. Uh, Matthew seven fourteen, 14. Um, because the straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. It's, and it's something you have to tell yourself because like we talked about, it can get discouraging. You know, it can get very hard to have rejection after rejection after rejection. Thinking about that light as an individual Christian shining forth, you know, you might um, do something, something might come up in your workplace that brings questions. Somebody might say, Hey, you know, why don't you, you know, why can't I buy you alcohol for Christmas? Because we, I have a coworker that does that. They, she brings everybody alcohol and it's like, well, Hey, I don't drink letting you know, please don't buy it. And you get those questions. You're like, Oh, Hey, you asked me a question, you know, and he goes forth. And of course it doesn't go anywhere. Um, so just having that idea of like, you know, not being discouraged because that is what the Bible says it's going to be. Yeah, it is, right? Mm -hmm. And when we look at, I think of the disciples, you know, sometimes I get, sometimes I get discouraged. Mm -hmm. Look at all the effort uh, that I'm putting forward and I got to remind myself, you know, like we're studying in, in uh, I was going to say Tuesday class. <laughs> as we're studying on Sunday afternoons, <laughs> yeah. I still think of it as the Tuesday class. Uh, as we're studying the book of Luke uh, on Tuesday afternoons and they're told to go into a whole city. And then what happens if you're not received? You shake the dust from your feet. And that's a whole city. Yeah. Right? It's not even a neighborhood. It's not, at least in El Paso, you know that there are people that here that don't want to talk about the gospel because you assemble with them. You know, it's like, and it, knowing that, you know, it's El Paso being such a big city, we know, hey, we're here. You know, so there's always that hope that, hey, there might be, a small group of people, a single household somewhere that wants to hear the gospel or that wants to talk. Um, but if nothing sudden, else, yeah. Fort Bliss is here. And I had the podcast last month with Bill Ard. Mm -hmm. He came through here because of Fort Bliss. Right. I'm going to have a podcast with Brandon Sledge. He came here because of Fort, Fort Bliss. And with Paul, who came here, Paul Lovett, because of Fort Bliss. And all three of these guys, I studied with them taught them the gospel, you know, and, uh, they left, but now they're back. They're here. Right. And it's like, so with those, those are good reasons why you just, you can't let that discourage you to the point of giving up because uh, it will be discouraging, but not letting that affect your continued attempts. Yeah. And, and, and El Paso does bring us opportunities. Mm -hmm. I got to remind myself of that sometimes. <laughs> I really do. Uh, so one came to Jesus in Luke 13, 23 and 24, said, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said, strive to enter at the straight gate. For many I send to you, many will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Man, that, that kind of hits me. Yeah, because just like we talked with the, the one gentleman who opened his door and briefly talked to us, it's like they think they're there. And that's, that's 
a majority of people you know they're comfortable in their congregation um and not asking questions or being content that their questions aren't being answered and they think they're there and they're going to go all the way to the end thinking they're going to get in the gate and be rejected yeah that's the sad part yeah. right uh, if you would have kept reading down in matthew chapter 7 uh, 21 through 23, mm-hmm. many will say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And thy name cast out devils, and thy name done many wonderful works. Then while I profess them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. There's a lot of people that are going to find out in the day of judgment that they did all these works for nothing. Another really sad statement after Jesus teaches a parable, Luke 18, 8, he says, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on earth? Yeah. And I'm sure there's been other times in history where it's felt like that. But, you know, nowadays with the way society's declined, it's waxing worse and worse. It's like you worry about that. Right. Because that's it's, it's it feels like we're there. I know, you know, there's always a remnant and so on and so forth, but it's it definitely hits. Always a remnant. Romans 11, one through five. Always a remnant. Right. Uh, but uh, it's it's kind of a sad point. And, and one of the things that I do uh especially when I get discouraged that people aren't desirous to learn the gospel. And sometimes I think is, you know, what's the point uh, in trying to reach people? Because I remember that Jesus said that in Luke 18, 8, but he still went to the cross. He didn't say, you know what? Not enough people are going to be saved by this. I'm out. I'm just going back to heaven. I'm not going to face this. And that's great to know that with that question, you know, the Lord was to some extent discouraged, you know? And so that it makes you feel a little bit better about being discouraged because it's like, okay, I'm not just, it's not just me, right? Our Lord was discouraged, but he still did the work. We see it in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let this cup pass from me. Yeah. He cried. He was heard and then he had strong crying and tears, Hebrews 5, 6 and 7. So yeah, it's there, right? He gets angry. He looks on them with anger in Mark 3, 1 through 6 because he's there to perform a miracle, to prove who he is. And they're trying to catch him so they can make an accusation against him. Terrible, terrible, yeah. but but he still moves on. Uh, so we're faced with this challenge. Uh, I'm more than willing to teach, but there aren't that many people seeking. And in the Bible, we find that both are necessary, right? We talked earlier, Romans 10, 13 through 14, how shall they hear without a preacher? But both Old and New Testament, and 1 Chronicles 28 uh, David is talking to Solomon. He says, Thou, Solomon, my son, know the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart, with a willing mind, for the Lord searches all the hearts and understands the imagination of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. If thou seek him. Then in the New Testament, Hebrews 11 and verse 6, just to show that this point is not just Old Covenant, but without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So you have that point. You need the seeker, not just the teacher, right? So I think of this podcast and I'm like, how can I how can I find that that needle in the haystack? How can I find the Scott Hamilton? How can I find the Brian Yeager that's still out there in this world? I know they're still out there because the world still exists. Right. God's, God's letting this world exist because he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance, 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. So I know they're out there. I don't know what continent they're on. <laughs> I don't know if they're on in El Paso, what side of town they're on, but I want to find them. The, but the difficulty, and this is what we're talking about, is when we go door to door or we, we by other means, seek to uh, reach people, 
you're just not finding them. You're digging through, shoveling through that hay, looking for the needle, and you can't find it. And you get tired, <laughs> and that you know, of of doing that work, and you just have to remind yourself, like you said, just not be discouraged. Not to be discouraged. That's mm-hmm. the key, right? That w- w- for me, at least, I'm not out trying to teach so that I can be saved. I genuinely care that people hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Otherwise, I would just say, oh, I'm going to do one podcast here and there. And if people find it, they find it, whatever. I'm doing a podcast because I'm still not sure. I'll evaluate this as (laughs) as we go forward, right? But I think the town square today, I think the synagogue today is social media. Sure. Uh, So I've tried the Facebook thing and all I've gotten is a bunch of people that want money. (laughs) (laughs) Or people on a different continent that I'll post an article. That if you really read the article and you study it, it's going to take you two, three, four hours to go through all the scriptures. I post it and in 10 seconds, like, and I'm like, you don't even know what it says. <laughs> you don't even have a clue what's in there, right? Yeah. So rather than get discouraged, I remember this. The best teacher on earth, Jesus Christ was on earth. What happened to him? You know, well, I, Oh, his disciples were right there with him the whole time. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right, right. They, they all scattered and ran away at the very end. Right, so, they scattered yeah. and ran away. And, and 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 even, you know, there's an account in John 6 where he feeds the 5,000. Then he leaves. He goes to the other side because they wanted to make him a king, mm-hmm. right? Comes back, he chastises them. And then in John 6, beginning of verse 60, says, Many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this saying, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? When Jesus himself, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured that he said to them, does this offend you? What if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Is that the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profiteth nothing? The words that I speak unto you, their spirit and their life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore said I unto you that no man come unto me except or given him my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. I think about Luke 22, um, verse 32, when... Uh, uh, Jesus said to Peter, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. You know, we're already in chapter 22 of the book of Luke and Peter still hasn't been converted yet. Right. In fact, we talk about who he's talking to with the quote unquote, uh, great commission, uh, in Matthew 28, uh, the great commission account there, the 11 disciples, Matthew 28, 16, one way into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. This is, this is after all the teaching that he did. After his death, burial, and resurrection. After Thomas puts him through scrutiny that's ridiculous, right? <laughs> right. Uh, some still doubted. Oh, man. Right? Who am I to get discouraged? Right? Right. That's what we have to remind ourselves is you know, we're doing this for people that are lost so that they can be saved just like Jesus did. But when many walked away, he didn't say, all right, I quit. And it's, it's good to see that. And, and to, to get a reminder that it's not how you presented it. It's not how, what, to what extent you went, what more can I do to get this person to understand? Because Jesus was resurrected, you know, and his disciples still doubted. So it's like Jesus did miracles and a bunch of other things that we cannot do today. And they still didn't believe it. Yeah. You know, uh, last month on the 4th, 
I did a a uh, podcast on sign seekers, and in that podcast, I pointed out the, the, the powers in the gospel. Romans one sixteen. Right. It's not in us. It's not in our presentation. Paul wasn't a good presenter. First Corinthians two one through five. If there are those that haven't listened, to that you might want to go back and listen to that podcast. Sometimes they think, what in the world could I do? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Even Jesus, who knew the hearts of men. Great advantage over us, right? Because the word of God sown in the heart, like you read in mm-hmm. the parable of the sower in Luke 8, 1 through 15. Uh, Jesus, who had, he, he's not like you and I. I mean, I got to sit down and study. I got to think about what I'm going to say. If somebody asks me a question, I need to take some thought. I need to, I need to research some of where they're coming from. You know, when, when, when I talk to somebody and they tell me they're of a certain religion, I need to know from some degree, to some degree what they've been taught so that I know where to begin. Where, sure. where to start? You know, if somebody's been taught, I'm I, I'm saved by faith only. If they're a Calvinist, uh, I need to understand that the Book of Romans is perverted to them, and I'm going to have to take them to the Book of Romans and show them the truth in the first eleven chapters and get out of their minds uh, the misinformation that they've been given. In fact, teaching nowadays is a lot more about unteaching before you even get into teaching. Now, let's talk about how hard that is from the master teacher. In Mark chapter 7, you know, they were they were caught up in their traditions, the Jews, law of Moses plus their traditions. And in Mark 7, 7 through 9, how be it in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, for laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. And he said, in full way, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. If that's the problem in the first century, what about now? All right. I've... I think about the conversations I've had with members of my family when I've tried to um, talk to them about the gospel. I was converted and, you know, going my whole life and not hearing anything about God at all, really, in my home. All of a sudden, now I want to talk to you about it. And now you're bringing up Baptist principles that that I've never heard up until now from you. So definitely trying to unteach all of that is hard. Right, because the background you came out of, the quote-unquote worship service was really short. Mm-hmm. It was mainly entertainment, right? Yes. So the quote-unquote core doctrinal beliefs weren't even stressed to you. You were a member and you didn't even know, you know, I know from discussions we've had where, yeah. mm-hmm. where I've said, hey, go go listen to this joker that's teaching Calvinism. He's a Baptist. And you're like, what? <laughs> and it's like, well, you were a Baptist. You, 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 you weren't taught that same thing. Well, no. And not to just pick on Baptists. I mean, sure. that's the case among the whole spectrum of human tradition and religion, right? Yeah. There are people that focus on certain things. It's very rare that somebody's been taught or has actually studied the whole counsel of God. And that certainly includes those people that said, oh, I read the Bible every year. And I, I, I almost hate that. It, it's like, because I'm talking to you and you, you, you have no idea what you're talking about. You know, I read the news every day. I read the news this morning. I saw the forecast three times this morning. I have no idea what the high today is supposed to be, <laughs> right? right? You've not studied, searched diligently through the scriptures. You know very few highlights, and that's about it. And and your reading has just been, oh, this daily Bible reading schedule, which is rush me through. Let me do this real quick so I can say, I read the Bible. So when you stand before God in the judgment day, Lord, I read the Bible. And then he's going he's gonna to answer, I never knew you, right? <laughs> He, he's going to ask, why were you a hearer only and not a doer? James 1, 21 through 25 and James 2, 14 through 26, right? Why didn't you do what you read? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. <laughs> so we're faced with this challenge of unteaching 
or explaining, and that's not the right, wrong, not the wrong way to look at it. Uh, you know, you have to be able to give the sense to cause people to understand what they're reading. Nehemiah 8.8. What happened to the Ethiopian eunuch? He needed somebody to explain the book of Isaiah to him. Yeah, he's in Acts 8.30 and 31. He's reading from what we know as Isaiah 53. And, and Philip asked him, you know, understand this without readers? He says, how can I accept some man should guide me? Yeah. That's the task. That, that's, that's the work. That's what we're looking forward to. That's what we're trying to do when we're reaching out to people uh, with the gospel. Uh, but we can't create seekers and we can't clean up the soil. That's on the part of the hearer. We can't do anything with that. We, yeah. we can, you know, go at it from just a, an honest uh, perspective. So any other thoughts? I mean, nothing more than what we've talked about. I think, um, you know, just trying not to be discouraged as a Christian. Um, and as a Christian, you know, testing things, um, you know, d- don't be discouraged. Don't think that, that you've just found it and being um, opposed to hearing um, other things because somebody might bring up scriptures you don't know about. Somebody might bring up a biblical point that you haven't considered before. Um, so not being closed-minded and encouraging people to, to, to listen and to, but ultimately bringing it down to what the scriptures have to say. Make sure you're testing yeah, it, right? Test it correctly. And, and, and not, mm-hmm. you know, there, there was an old saying, I, I don't know who to uh, credit uh, the saying to, uh, but there was an old saying that, be open-minded, but not so much that your brains fall out. <laughs> uh, Jesus said in Mark four twenty four, take heed what you hear and with measure you made it, it should be measured to you and unto you that here shall more be given. So take heed what you hear. You have to be cautious, right? You don't want to be too open-minded, but, yeah. but to test, to, to prove and, and to say, you know what? Um, I might know this one verse. Uh, people are notorious for knowing one verse, grabbing something, right? Yeah. John three sixteen. Yep. You know, uh, end zone verse in the NFL, <laughs> everything else. They have no idea. This is in a conversation to a Pharisee that came to Jesus by night, and in that context, he didn't tell him just believe, right? And it should not perish uh, if you believe. Why? Why is that? Because if you believe, you ought to be a doer, right? If you genuinely believe, you're going to go and do uh, what God says. Uh, but all those are g- great things to talk about. Um, I think as I'm kind of wrapping up my thoughts, i just like to appeal to the other side, to the hearer. Understand that there are those of us in this world that want to find you, yeah. that want to answer your hard questions, that want to help you know the Lord and turn to Him with all your heart, mind, and soul and ultimately spend eternity together to be part of the same congregation. Uh, to be able to work together in the will of Christ and and beg you to give that opportunity. That That's why this podcast is out there. This isn't just fluff and there's no other reason uh, to do it. And, and one of the reasons I'm inviting uh, my brethren here uh, in to help me with this podcast uh, once a month is so that you can hear it from other like-minded people. Right. I, knowing you, um, like I, I know that this is awkward for you. Like, I know that this isn't something that you necessarily want to do, but you know that that medium is there and you want people to, to come and be taught and find the gospel. So Yeah, it's definitely not me. I'm going to sit yeah. down and talk to... <laughs> matter of fact, I don't even like to talk on the phone to people. Right. I, I, when can we meet? It's, yeah, when can we meet? Yeah, yeah because it's face-to-face. Uh, I, I, so much communication is body language. Yeah. 
and I, I don't want to waste time. You know, if the Lord comes tomorrow, I don't want to spend, you know, three years on the phone with somebody and, and never knew that they had a hard time understanding where if I get that puzzled look, then, then I can say, hold on, wait a minute. What didn't you get? All right. You, you know? can see that. Um, me having, you know, taught classes, um, before and like of course like hearing you almost every sunday like you'll bring up a scripture you'll start talking about a subject and you can see in the audience hey mm, that person raised their eyebrow so let me let me expand on that more mm. you don't have that in anything which is why you're like when you're communicating with people in emails you're like hey here's my number why, why let, let's have a phone conversation let's start moving this in that direction because yeah let, let's move yeah. this to an in-person bible study yeah. at some point well ladies and gentlemen we Certainly hope, Scott and I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and that you found the scriptural principles that we talked about uh, to be interesting, but most of all, to challenge you spiritually. Invite you that if you have questions, give me a call, 915-525-5794. Email me, brian at wordsoftruth.net. Of course, you can visit the website, keep listening to the podcast, but like we just got done talking about. Would love to talk to you yep. and, and, and work that towards an in-person uh, study because that is the effective means of Bible study. It always has been. Uh, John, when he concluded his second and third letter, second and third John, uh, he wrote, but he wanted to see him face to face. That's very important. But we're glad you listened. Scott, you want to say anything in conclusion? Um, thank, uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. Definitely appreciated it. Um, and I, everything you said, encourage people, please, if you're listening to this, reach out if you have questions and, you know, time is limited. You know, we're the, Tomorrow's not guaranteed. So take the opportunity to, to learn more about the gospel. Yeah. Open the door for us. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time.